easy lecture in a way, but I also wanted to point out if you have these nutrition lectures, they are very often common sense and then some particular new things that you learn, which is also good to advise as a physician and, and your family. But don't take it easy. If there is a question, it's an easy point if you follow this lecture. Yeah, I'm glad you are here. So, nutritional aspect uh, of pregnancy and infant nutrition. There are DLAs videos for that, for uh, uh, lactation and for infant nutrition. And I hope that you will work with those. Now, healthy nutrition during pregnancy lactation benefits, of course, the mother, fetus, and the infant. And you see here the mother taking an ultrasound, and she has to nourish the baby, or the fetus, I should say, in this case, and she has to really watch her nutrition as she, it, if she lacks uh, nutritional compounds. It can harm the, uh, the fetus, or if she drinks uh, alcohol, for example, very severe. And here is the fetus, and here is the cute infant. When the woman is pregnant, there is a very, you see here on the right side already a chart, recommended intake of calories. She should not eat for two, and she should not eat, this is a nice dessert, that is full of carbohydrates, and she should not eat that, as she might gain too much weight, and later on we can see that can also affect the baby. So during pregnancy, it's recommended a moderate increase in steps during the first, second, and third trimester, up to 500 kilocalories per day, and that should be kept when the uh, woman is uh, breastfeeding. Now, when it comes to the macronutrients during pregnancy and lactation, the protein should be increased up to 72 grams per day as the protein synthesis for the maternal tissues, placenta, uses the two fetal growth and actually during lactation for the milk synthesis. The fats should be increased in relation to uh, DHA, docosa hexaenoic acid, you remember that, that is a fatty acid that is, has a high fluidity uh, if it is in the membranes and it's very, very important. Actually, when you talk about nutrition, it comes and it's very important during fetal development and in infancy and then it has a high effect again with the elderly. When the elderly um, they have lack, less DHA, and if they take the DHA, it is seen now that that prevents memory loss. So it's very, very important for brain and vision development here for the uh, baby. And the carbohydrates, as I have shown you, they should not increase. They is not recommended as the woman definitely has to watch uh, her weight. Now, the recommended increase of the micronutrients, I'm talking about folate, iodine, zinc, vitamins A and D, and iron. And here you see already iron only during pregnancy. When the woman is lactating, we do not want to have much iron in the milk, as they are needed for iron-dependent bacteria.
and we don't want this to happen. So that is why, very likely, why the milk is low in iron. But during pregnancy, definitely she needs it. Folates, folic acid, folates is a big group for all the uh, parts of folic acid, also the tetrahydrofolates. They are essential for cell division and one carbon transfer. You will see that in more detail very soon this semester. But I already want to point out that the deficiency can lead to maternal microcytic anemia. Uh, that also you see with vitamin B12 deficiency. But folic acid does it and to fetal neurotube defects. That is the part that hits the closest to this lecture. And you see here the neurotube, it should be closed. And if the failure to close can lead to an encephaly or spina bifida. I have here the cartoon for this uh, situation. Now iodine is essential for thyroid hormone synthesis and uh, it will also be substantiated in the following lectures that you will have and it is important for mother, fetus and infant. And so increased iodine intake by about 50% is needed to prevent spontaneous abortions. Very commonly when the woman is iron deficient she has a lot of abortions and perinatal mortality, birth defects, neurological disorders, and congenital hypothyroidism, and it can lead to cretinism. I have a new slide coming in here with a picture of a child that has iodine deficiency, and I also want to comment on the word cretinism. But where do I find a lot of iodine? Well, in seaweed, yeah but also in fish, yogurt, and I was actually here surprised in strawberries. Now, iodine deficiency is very common in areas when the soil does not have much iodine. So the food products from the soil, the, the plants, are low in iron. And that lead was very common in the UK and in the Alps. And in the UK, they decided to uh, make iodized salt and that helped with this uh, disease. But at the same time, and I'm glad when I read that, as I'm also teaching that salt should not be used. Now, iodized salt would help in this case, but they have also other products now that are iodized so that you can eat those. Zinc is essential for cell growth and it also should be increased. Where do I find it? In pumpkin seeds, dark chocolate, good, good news, and in garlic. And it prevents also abortion, preterm delivery, low birth weight, and small for gestational stage, and also for neurotube defects. But if neurotube defects are asked and, and what is lacking, it's always the folate that has the most input on that. Here's the slide that I talked about that I put in here newly. And this is the advantage coming to lecture or watching the videos of the lecture. And that is congenital hypothyroidism. This child has a protruding tongue. And we call that macroglossia, growth retardation, especially in the second year 
of life. The, the long bones will stop uh, growing, has dry skin, slow reflexes, and a hoarse voice. Now, I want to talk about congenital hypothyroidism and not use the word cretinism. It's not recommended anymore, and it is seen as not to be used anymore. It can be derogative. And the child that is affected here can, as I said, can show macroglossia, a big tongue, sometimes hanging out, a broad nose along with puffy and droopy eyelids, and as I said later on in childhood, arrested growth of the long bones, they are stunted growth, and slow mental development. But there's early treatment possible with iodine. So that is a good news in this case. If we come now to the retinoids, that's a group of vitamin A. Vitamin A, retinol, leads to retinoids, and that's a whole group. And they are essential for growth and cell differentiation, vision, and immune system. In pregnancy, it's a recommended increase and to improve the infant growth and development on skeleton, brain, and lung in the infant. And the deficiency can lead to fetal mortality, and it can affect the mother and maternal night blindness. Now, here I want to point out vitamin A. You see here inc recommended increase by 10%. That is not that much. So it should be pointed out that too much of vitamin A is not good, as it can be teratogenic, and it can lead to cleft lip, cleft palate, hydrocephalus, and major heart malformations. Under normal conditions, if we chew the carrots, we cannot chew that many carrots to go into dangerous levels. That's why uh, it is important to realize that very often, and my mother did that too, uh, you make a juice, and then you can drink a lot. So if you have, you advise that as a physician, vitamin A, the, the person should not drink the carrot juice or watch out how much she drinks of carrot juice. And during lactation, that increase can be uh, larger and we want it in the milk. We want to have sufficient milk content. The, the teratogenesis is not in danger anymore. And the child can have xeroftalemia, uh, and if it is untreated, it can even lead to infant blindness. So there is it even more important. Vitamin D is activated. I can eat vitamin D in food. I can make it so it's not a true vitamin. I can make it in the skin. And then it's activated to calcitriol. Calcitriol is, we will come into that, and then the whole picture will come together. I'm only saying here now that calcitriol regulates the requirement for calcium and phosphorus. Where do I find vitamin D? In fish, and that is fish is highly recommended by the American uh, Society of Nutrition as it's rich in DHA and in vitamin D, very important. Now, you shouldn't eat too much of that as there's also the 
danger of having toxicity from mercury. But you see here, vitamin D is very, very important, and uh, it's recommended a dietary supplementation to prevent maternal preeclampsia and gestational diabetes, preterm delivery, low birth weight, and impaired fetal skeleton development. Lactation, yeah, it's important that the supplementation should continue as we want to increase the vitamin D content in human milk, which is normally very low. So we want to increase that. And why is that so important? Vitamin D protects against respiratory infections. That is very common in little kids, and it strengthens the immune system, and last but not least, is important for bone health. Deficiency can lead to rickets. Last but not least, iron is essential for heme and RBC synthesis, and the iron requirement increases dramatically, as you see in the third trimester. And it is mainly used for fetal RBC synthesis and for iron storage in the fetal liver. During pregnancy, the mother provides the, future, the, the fetus with the storage that after birth will last for, to about six months. So that is why it's very critical that she has a lot of iron in her diet. And if she does not have it, then microcytic anemia can occur, and that can lead to premature delivery and perinatal mortality. Now, very important now, during lactation, the maternal iron demand is normal. And as I say, human milk is low in iron. Calcium is essential for bone and teeth growth in fetus and infant. I like these two little teeth. This makes me smile. And I just put it in there as so I want to make you see you smile too. Cute. And pregnancy and especially lactation are periods of high calcium demand for teeth and bone development. But surprisingly, when... if I didn't know about it, and I said, well, then we should increase the calcium up to, in the diet tremendously. It is not recommended, as the dietary uptake is regulated by calcitriol. Uh, 125-dihydroxyvitamin D, you will have also a special lecture on that, and the calcium homeostasis changes, and the maternal calcium uptake increases. So with the same amount of calcium that you have in the diet once the woman is pregnant, she is able to take up more, and that has to do with calcitriol. Even so, you don't have to increase the calcium. And that continues in lactation. But in lactation then sometimes, and I have um, marked a review article that I read for the 25 pages. I don't expect you to read it. But it is very interesting that during pregnancy, the calcium uptake is increased, but the bones are not, of the woman are not touched. But in lactation, then the calcium also is mobilized from the uh, maternal bones. And that is only temporary. And once the woman has, has her normal period later on, then that is very fast refilled. 
I have a clicker question. So if you would be so kind and do this. That was an easy one. All right, iodine was the correct one. Now, what are the health risks during pregnancy and lactation? A woman should avoid smoking, alcohol, Drugs, medical drugs, if possible, should be discussed with a physician and toxins like mercury or from food poisoning. Should reduce caffeine intake to about one uh, cup per day. And it should be discussed if the woman has an exclusion diet. I mean, if she is vegetarian or have a vegan diet. It is important so that she does not come into deficiency of micronutrients. I have here the text for the previous slide. After lecture, read that for yourself, a self-study that is important. Again, uh, a little bit explained why alcohol should be avoided. But especially with the alcohol, I have a special uh, subject to talk about. Fetal alcohol metabolism is very different than human alcohol, uh, human, I'm sorry, <laughs> adult, adult alcohol metabolism. And you see here on the left side, the lady has a glass of red wine. And so far, if you follow the Mediterranean diet, one glass of red wine is considered to be healthy, but not during pregnancy and to the right side. The woman said, no, thank you very much. No alcohol, not at all. And what happens is that the alcohol passes the placenta and leads to high alcohol levels in the fetal circulation. And alcohol cannot be uh, uh, handled by alcohol dehydrogenase, and we have a lecture on alcohol metabolism. I'm teaching that too, and I'm looking forward to going into more detail there. Uh, fetal development does not uh, synthesize all the enzymes. And normally alcohol would not be a nutrient and it would not show up in the fetal circulation. So the enzyme system is not ready. And only closer to birth, we have a system alcohol dehydrogenase in the liver. But in the fetus, it is not handled. And what happens now that the ethanol is enzymatically linked to fatty acids or other molecules. And you have fatty acid 
ethyl esters, they are excreted in meconium, and can be measured as early marker for possible fetal damage by ethanol. The woman can say, oh, no, no, I don't drink alcohol at all. But if you find that, then she did. All right. It's important, and I have here again what it does. I, I found that picture, what it does to the brain of the child brain here, and it shrinks. And you see, mostly you see uh, faces, fetal alcohol syn syndrome, uh, very uh, facial abnormalities, low birth weight and low intelligence. And it can also lead to physical, cognitive, behavioral disability. What can I say about the food safety during pregnancy and lactation? Well, wash, pasteurize, and cook well. Very, very important, as we have toxoplasmia and listeriosis, and they are of particular concern during pregnancy. Toxoplasmia results from a single-cell parasite, and it's carried by many animals, especially cats. And it is very important that pregnant women should not clean a cat litter box. So the cat litter box shall be cleaned by somebody else. She should not touch that as this toxoplasmia is common. And the toxoplasma is found in contaminated water, also raw meat, unpasteurized pasteurized milk, and other food products. And it can lead to blindness hearing loss, and brain damage of the baby. Listeriosis is a bacterial contamination, and it, in severe cases, can lead to miscarriage, premature labor, and stillbirth. So food safety is especially important, and one should be careful with the food intake from vendors at that case, and that can be not handled correctly and it shall be well cooked. Now we have the case of fetal macrosomia. That means a big baby, a big, more than eight pounds. You see here to the right, the big baby, the normal one, normal size, I should say. And here on the left side, you see a pregnant woman eats for two, two times pasta. No, that shall not happen. They do not have to, and I have to put that in again. It's very, very important for you as a physician to bring, make that very clear to a pregnant woman. The weight has to be very, very carefully monitored. And women with hyperglycemia, gestational diabetes, and overweight women may deliver a big baby and with fetal macrosomia. There, at that time, is an increased risk of uh, injury for mother and the baby. Baby very often uh, damage at the shoulders when, when it is too big and very often cesarean section is required. And the children have an increased risk to develop diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, and metabolic syndrome. And here they are. Different stages of life after birth. Birth needs adjusted nutrition. And here to the left, you see a premature baby and very tiny. Then a neonatal on the right, 
And then infants, they are called infants or babies up to one year old. And then childhood begins. So infants is the uh, time from uh, neonatal and to uh, actually from birth to one year old. What is important for the nutrition? Well, definitely a healthy diet. It has a time of intensive growth. And a very good nutrient is human milk. Or if that cannot be given, then formula. And the formula has to um, contain specific macronutrients and micronutrients. When I talk about the macronutrients, I talk definitely milk sugars, lactose as nutrient for the infant, and we have prebiotic human milk oligosaccharides, HMOs. There's a little video about that. And then we have fatty acids. They should be of the omega-3 and omega-6 family, dietary essential. And milk protein, we have whey and casein with essential and conditional essential amino acids. So let's look at the milk sugars. If I compare here the human milk to other animal milk, and we see that by far human milk has especially high amount of lactose. And this lactose, which is a disaccharide of glucose and galactose, represents about 40% of the caloric intake. Very important for the nutrition. Then you see, and you go to the fats, they are about in the same range, but there is a discrepancy in protein. Human milk is low in protein, but has a lot of dietary essential and conditionally essential amino acids, but it's low. And you see cow milk, which is given very commonly uh, as a nutrition also to infants, is high. So if I feed the child with cow milk, then I... What? something wrong here? All right, so I continue, all right? Is that okay with you? All right, now, the protein content is high in cow milk, and if you would feed the child with cow milk, you would give more amino acids, more proteins, but they are difficult to digest. And so as a physician, I would uh, also recommend that you say, yeah, you can give cow milk, but you have to dilute it. It is recommended to dilute cow milk so that the, the digestion is easier. All right. Now, neonates can have congenital lactase deficiency, and they should not be breastfed. As, as we just said, lactose is in so high concentration in uh, human milk. And the deficiency in the past was life-threatening. So why? It can lead to severe osmotic diarrhea and dehydration. And you see here the, in the small intestine, lactose, the milk sugar should be cleaved to galactose and glucose. And these Monosaccharides should be taken up, and lactose normally shall never reach the large intestine. In this 
deficiency, and especially congenital lactase deficiency, where milk is the main nutrient. It can be very, very severe, and the uh, bacteria form hydrogen uh, and uh, bloating, diarrhea, dehydration results. And the baby cries as it has this painful bloating. And the mother thinks, oh, the baby is still hungry. And she feeds the baby. And then the crying is even worse. So it's a vicious cycle. And feeding with milk continues to cause pain and damage. Now here to the lower part, this baby is quite happy. It has infant formula and is a lactose-free formula as main food. Now it is very important to realize that, that the release of water is very life-threatening. The, the osmotic diarrhea, the dehydration can lead to death. Now there is another part that you have to think about diet when you have a, a special formula without lactose and without galactose. You have to use this formula in neonates that have classic galactosemia. And you also will talk more about it. And we have routine analysis of newborns. And that includes urine testing for reducing sugars. And galactose in urine can indicate classic galactosemia. Emia means in the blood, but you have also galactose urea. And it's a rare genetic hepatic enzyme deficiency. You have accumulation of galactose 1-phosphate and the sugar alcohol that is formed, galactitol, and it accumulates in liver and other body cells. And characteristic is brain damage, cataracts, liver and kidney damage. So here the diet has to be low or uh, shall not contain lactose and shall not contain galactose as this child can cleave lactose to galactose and glucose. So both have to be excluded. Now if we come to the human milk, we always talk about it. It contains fatty acids of the omega-3 and omega-6 families. And in this cartoon, you see already the brain and the eyes with the nursing mother. Human milk has the dietary essential fatty acid, linoleic acid, omega-6, and alpha-linolenic acid, omega-3. But in addition, docosahexanoic acid, DHA, which I said is very important, and not only the intake shall not only increase during pregnancy, but also during lactation, and arachidonic acid. Now, when it comes to fatty acids, only in the adult brain, only the dietary essential fatty acids can pass the blood-brain barrier. The others don't. So palmitate, for example, would not go through. But in the developing brain, also DHA and arachidonic acid can pass. We know that for sure. There was always the discussion now, so maybe that could also pass in the adult brain as we see also improvement in the elderly when we give DHA. Now, there is no study done on that, and who wants to figure it out? Yeah? So who wants to be st part of that study? We just leave it there. But we know for sure due to deficiency that uh, all four fatty acids can pass the blood-brain barrier of the developing brain.
And this human milk content of especially DHA can be increased when the mother eats a diet uh, rich in fish oil or uses supplements. Here you have the brain lipids, growth and function. They are found in high concentration. DHA and arachidonic acid are found in high concentration in the phospholipid membranes, and it's essential for brain growth and function. And during pregnancy, here you see it's already taken up, and in human milk it is found. Now, that is an important part that we do not find in normal. Uh, if you feed the child with normal cow milk, it is not there. But if you um, substitute the food so that the, the milk has more uh, dietary essential amino acids, then you can find that too. And that is found in the so-called organic cow milk. I wondered what that was, and I was asked by a student, so I looked it up. So they're specially fed. And in the UK, sometimes uh, cows are specially fed with selenium. So that also then would, it's a micronutrient, show up in the milk. The brain triples in size in the first year of life. Here you measure the head circumference, and you see here infant brain growth. Getting, and that's where you need the DHA and arachidonic acid in large quantities. We need it also for vision, and uh, you have here the structure of this, all the curled with the cis double bonds of uh, docosahexanoic acid. You see it high, high fluidity. And DHA represents two-thirds of the fatty acids found in the retina here. And you have also rhodopsin is embedded. And this fatty acid provides the necessary high fluidity. And I looked it up more, and I was amazed when I looked at the uh, cone and rods. All these uh, floating discs have these fatty acids embedded. So you need tons of them there. That's where they are. That's where you need it. And you need it for the high fluidity so that uh, the rod and cones can function. In addition, DHA is also involved with cell signaling, other function needed for eye development in fetus, neonate, and infant. So it's a very, very important uh, fatty acid. Now, if I come finally to the protein again, human milk is lower in protein compared to other species and contains two types. And you should know that you have casein and whey, a little bit more whey than casein. So what is casein? It's a highly and easy digestible protein and contains also, in addition in its carbohydrates, calcium, and phosphates. And especially rich in casein is prolin. Now you know, you remember that prolin is important for collagen synthesis. And that is needed in high quantity in the uh, child. Whey protein is a group of proteins, and we will uh, look at that. Again, high-quality amino acids, but what sticks out there is the branch-chain amino acid leucine. 
Leucine is the amino acid that stimulates protein synthesis and leads to a positive nitrogen balance of the growing baby, especially. So leucine is uh, used by bodybuilders as well, as you might know, and you can buy the protein, and that's it's the amino acid leucine in there that leads to uh, stimulated protein synthesis and muscle synthesis. Now, whey is a mixture. What is it composed of? Well, alpha-lactalbumin. This is rich in cysteine, tryptophan, and it provides the precursor for glutathione with the cysteine and serotonin with the tryptophan. Then we have lactoferrin, and it inhibits growth of iron-dependent bacteria in the GI tract of neonates and infants. And as I have mentioned, the milk is low in iron. That is probably the reason. We wondered, well, the iron is always needed in the diet, but it is also used by iron-dependent bacteria. And we have already lactoferrin in the milk to prevent the growth. If we would have high iron content in the milk, then we, that would be contradicting. And that is very likely why the fetus... Uh, accumulates the iron in the liver, and the newborn has an iron depot of about six months. And then we also say that now the nutrition for the baby should change, and we should have iron in there. Please also look at the video. And then we have lysozyme that protects the infant against E. coli and salmonella. It promotes the growth of healthy intestinal flora and has anti-inflammatory function. And last but not least, we have the immunoglobulins. It is mostly IgA followed by IgM and IgG. Now, as you all live here now in, in the Caribbean, IgA in Grenada has a different meaning. But think about it, it is found in high concentration in human milk. What about the other immunoglobulin? IgG is transferred uh, through the placenta and it's given during pregnancy to the baby. All right. And last but not least, we find a little bit of maternal serum albumin. I have here a list of the dietary essential amino acids and recall it in self-study and know them, but I also wanted to say methionine is important for SAM. SAM means S-adenosylmethionine, and that is the methylation molecule that we have in the body. That's very important. And we can use methionine to synthesize cysteine. Threonine as components of proteins, phenylalanine for the catecholamines and melanin synthesis, tryptophan for serotonin synthesis. Lysine is found in high concentration in collagen and in elastin, and it is used there for cross-linking. You remember that. And arginine is important for the urea cycle and nitric oxide synthase. And valen, isoleucine, and leucine stimulate protein synthesis, especially leucine. Now, these are dietary essential amino acids for adults, and infants need, in addition, the conditionally essential amino acids. 
and that is histidine, needed for hemoglobin synthesis, glutamine for nucleotide synthesis, cysteine, now for glutathione synthesis, glycine for heme synthesis. We will have a lecture on heme synthesis, so you need a lot of glycine there, and although glycine can be formed, it should be eaten in higher quantity in the uh, uh, babies as we have a lot of heme synthesis going on. And prolin for collagen synthesis and tyrosine for melanin and hormone synthesis. So we have to, if a formula is made, they are added in higher quantities. I have a clicker question for you now. Please be so kind. All right. These clicker questions were easy today, so I'm looking forward to the IMCQs. They are a little bit more challenging, but as I said, this lecture is easy, yeah? But don't underestimate it. If there is a question, it's an easy question for you to have on the exam. All right. Now, what applied to the pregnant woman applies also for the growth chart of the uh, infants you have here for breastfed infants, boys and girls, a different chart. This time the other way around. We want the baby to grow. And in the first month, the baby may gain two pounds per month. Then in six months, baby may gain only one pound per month. And in nine months, baby may gain less than one pound per month. And that is all considered normal. That is in the growth chart that you follow here. Now, this was not my idea, but when I saw that, I thought, that's cute, and that's very good. You know, the question is, with the increased need for food and growth after birth, how does the stomach capacity grow and increase? I thought it was interesting. And you see, in the neonate, you have a tiny stomach, I think so, especially if you compare it to the adult, maybe the size of a strawberry. And that makes sense that you have to feed the baby all the time. Not all the time, but, you know, keeps you busy. And uh, the reason is that the, the stomach is so small. You know, so the food intake uh, is not that much at one time. And a two-month-old baby, where there the stomach has the size of a small kiwi. It's already better. One-year-old infant may be an orange and an adult a small cantaloupe. So I thought it was interesting to think about it. Normally we forget the size of the stomach, and the size of the stomach will regulate how much food can be taken in. All right, that's it, and I thank you very much. Thank you. Now, one request. Why did you laugh? What?
Tell me here later, okay? Why, why? Uh, all right. 